In this episode of Shifted, we're taking a peek behind the curtain and interviewing Noah Rogers, AdoptEd's content creator. We're diving into what he does exactly, why he loves it, and why video and content creation is important for the AdoptEd program. Enjoy! Hello, welcome back to another episode of Shifted. Long time no here? (laughs) Nice one, Carrie. Today, we've got another special guest on the episode. His name is Noah Rogers, and he's the third member of this Adopted Trio, and the only one we haven't heard from yet. Fun fact, he also produces and edits these podcast episodes. I'm glad he does that, not us. Can you imagine I wouldn't, what it would look like? No, I would probably throw in some ASMR or something like that. I don't even know what that is. So all that to say, we're glad to have Noah on the team. In addition to producing this podcast, he also makes videos, creates graphics and swag designs, builds out our social media images and videos, and helps us stay relevant. We'll let him talk for himself, though, in the interview we recorded with him that starts now. So Noah's with us today, and Noah, I'm so glad you're here. I want to know, I want you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, well, it's good to be here. I am not usually on this side of the podcast, um, but they wrote me into an interview mm-hmm. to just talk about my job and why I'm a part of the team. So yeah, I'd love to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, my name's Noah. I am the content and creative supervisor at Gladney. Um, I have worked in the Adopted program for a long, long time. Well, five years, so maybe not that long, but uh, it feels like I've been here for a long time. I've got to see this program grow up. I am married to a beautiful woman. Her name is Mallory, and she is um, the love of my life. Actually, we met in middle school, so it's kind of a story, and we dated for like 14 years or something like that until before we got married. We have a little dog. Uh, I mean, I guess I live with the dog. It's Mal's dog, and her name is Scout. She's a mini Aussie and has the most personality I think I've ever seen in a dog. Um, she's cute. I guess I like her. So I make a lot of videos in my job here with Adopted. I do a lot of um, social media posts, thinking about how we can tell our story in a more compelling and more easy to understand way from different perspectives, um, the whole gamut. I think the most one of the most powerful tools for learning is uh, hearing stories uh, that illustrate the points that you're trying to teach. And that's why I love doing my job because I get to do that with videos and with sound and with pictures and design and all those kinds of things. I'm, I love being creative in, in the ways that we tell our stories. And that's why I love what I do. Do you have a favorite? Like, do you, do you enjoy doing the videos more than the podcast or whatever? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I do, I do like a bunch of different, I call them mediums, but I think I do really latch on to the video side of things. Cause it, it engages a lot of the senses is how I think of it. And you're watching something you, that watching something can make you feel something. You're also hearing things at the same time. You're listening to people's emotions captured on camera and retold through speakers and lights. And, um, I think it's just a very powerful medium. There's a reason why there's a lot of videos in our world today Mm -hmm. on your phone, on the apps, on your social media around you and advertising. It's because it actually, it works pretty well and like conveying a message. So I think that is one I always come back to you. It's always really, really fun to experiment and do different things like 
this podcast is just audio. You're only hearing us right now. Mm-hmm. How can we tell our story when you kind of remove the whole visual aspect of, of that engagement? And it's actually pretty fun to kind of to play around with that. So I do come back to video most of the time. Though. You're very talented because I, I can ramble and you are great at just editing it and making it sound smooth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never before working with Noah did not know what all went into making a video. And just, it's incredible yeah. all the things that you have to think about before, during, and while editing. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to know the number on like ratio of how many minutes we start with when we take make a video to like how many minutes end up in the final, final, final video. It's pretty high, that ratio of starting with to finishing with. I remember one time we called, I called you on uh you know, Microsoft Teams, like, video chat. And I'm like, hey, you know, what are you doing? He's like, well, I feel like I've been hanging out with you and Carrie all day. I've been hearing your voices <laughs> oh, while I'm editing oh, something. I'm like, man, I need to send him some cookies. He has to hear our voices all the time. And our mess-ups. Oh. It is a little known fact. Maybe people just don't like to think about it, but I do become intimately acquainted with people's, like, nervous tics or some of the, like, <laughs> what they do with their eyes when they're, like, nervous or what their voice does. And yeah. I never hold it against anyone. I, I will let you know that. But I maybe do have some dirt on you guys. Well, Sorry. I, yeah. <laughs> You I hear do. you tell Amy to stop talking or stop using her hand so much. The first time I ever worked with Noah, that was an issue. I kept talking. Just sit hands. on your hands. So you told us a little bit about your job, but when you were in high school, I wanna, um, I'm interested in this. When you were in high school, what did you want to be when you grew up? Is this what you thought? Actually, no, I don't think this would have been my first pick of a career, like going back to high school, Noah. I think at that point in my life, I was picking between the math and science part of my brain, which I like really enjoy and the like creative, um, creative side of my brain. So I grew up a like learning piano, classical piano. And I was a musician and that was a big part of my life. And I thought that was just going to like keep going. And I could see myself maybe doing like some kind of, it's called pedagogy, but that just means like teaching piano, piano mm-hmm. pedagogy and, or doing like some kind of performance, or like playing in a an orchestra or symphony. I don't know. I entertained the idea. Um, but at the other, at the same time I was like, but also it'd be really cool to like make and design the places where those things happen. So you think about like going to the symphony, you walk into this like big cavernous room that if you were to clap, which um, you at some point will hear, it's like very cavernous and like echoey and like reverberant and you like hear your claps for a long, long time. And that's on purpose because those spaces are designed to, to envelop you in sound. And that that's, I was called acoustical engineering and I thought that was really cool. And I wanted to like pursue that and see if I could do that. But I actually didn't do either of those things. I considered both of them. I ended up going to college for one of them, but I, I actually didn't do either. And I, I call it my my hobby turned into my profession because pretty soon after high school, I started experimenting with cameras. I got a camera for graduation and started messing around with video and I fell in love with that. Well, let's talk about when you went to college because on Shifted, we like to ask people about their experience in college and what they studied. So where did you go and what did you major in? Yeah, so I graduated from high school and went off to Texas A&M University uh, to do my bachelor's degree. And I started as a physics major, actually. Fun fact. Uh, very different. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> very different from what I, I do now. That's no shocking. I've known yeah. you five years. I didn't know that. Yes, I, I lasted for two years in the Texas A&M physics program. And I thought I was going to use that to turn it into kind of the acoustics, designing sound spaces, understanding the science of sound and use that as a job. But Actually, it turns out the Texas A&M physics program is so highbrow and profound, and it's great. Like, there's a lot of people that love this, that all they want you to study is kind of hypothetical physics, like theoretical physics, what they call it. It's like dark matter, dark energy, the deep space, all this kind of stuff, which is like, I don't really, I don't really... 
that's not my, that's not, your jam. That's not my, that's not that's not my vibe, I guess <laughs> you could say. And so I, I kind of bailed after her circuits, electricity and circuits, the class that I made a D in, I, I totally bombed it. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Does your so, mom know you made a D? She does. She does. She yeah. I'm proud of it. Actually, <laughs> okay. I kind of wear it as a badge because like everybody thinks that I just did it, did it all but so well. I was like, no, actually I made a D and I'm going <laughs> to like let you physics know that. Class or something. <laughs> yeah. So after I decided to change majors, I switched to one called um, telecommunications media studies, which is a combination of a communications degree and a media studies degree. So kind of best of both worlds. It wasn't exactly here's how to use a camera and go make videos, but it was the study of why those things work in our society. And it was very interesting to see like a high level view of something that I was doing as a hobby at that time, messing around with cameras, making videos, what, what works and how can you tell a story? And that really paired well with what would become my eventual profession. So I ended up graduating from Texas A&M with a bachelor's of science in telecommunication media studies with a minor in physics and music. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm Noah. so glad you found that, though. That sounds like it was, like, right up your alley. Yeah. Yes. I, I really I really ended up liking my classes of junior and senior year, which was my new new major. And you said you got your camera your senior, like, at graduation for high school. Did you, like, always take pictures through school and stuff? Because your photography and your videography skills, like, that, you, you can't just pick that up I feel like I feel like you've been practicing that a long time I don't know you're exactly right I I got it as a gift for graduation from high school it's just like a little DSLR camera Um, and I took that with me to college and that's probably a big part of my education I'm doing air quotes was joining the organizations and finding the people that I became friends with in in college because they were a community of peers that were creatively minded they were older than me knew more than me about those kinds of things and um, it was really like sweet example of like coming alongside some somebody and collaborating with them and like helping them unlock their potential. And I really learned a lot about the mechanics of the technical side of things, but also just like the concepts of story and and what it means to use these pieces of equipment and technology to do something that do something creative and, and accessible by everybody. So it was a major part of while I was going to class, I was also like attending these meetings for this yeah. group that I was a part of and learning how to use my storytelling abilities and making, making videos. friends and making Damn. friends. I made friends, <laughs> made friends. That's a good way to meet friends. Sometimes in college, that's like kind of hard to do. So like you found your people. So you, you know, you were explaining how you ha- had your camera and you found your organization that you were a part of to kind of be your creative outlet. But when did you really um, start creating content and, and making videos? So I was in that group of, of college friends that I made. And from there, naturally people would are older than, older than me would like start getting married or they would go off and start their full-time job. And those people um, knew some of us in that organization that actually like enjoyed doing videos. They're like, Hey, you want to film my wedding? And I was like, Oh, that'd be interesting. I'd like to try that. I'd never done before. And I'm like, just pay me this much really low and I'll just come, come do it and learn and experience it. And so I got to, I got started doing weddings actually. So I went to these, uh, few couples that I knew and had met in college, uh, that had got, they were getting married and, um, dove into a wedding day, which is a very actually high pressure environment. How brave with- of them to ask you <laughs> and brave that you did it. Right. There's a little bit of like personal connection or like, okay, we know you, but also like, you're just so cheap. You're like, we shouldn't say no to you kind of thing, (laughs) which honestly, that's, that's how some of it went. But I I showed up and, and weddings are like kind of one take wonders. You have to do it the first time. Right. Or you don't just get to like 
can you go kiss again? Or yeah. can you like walk down the aisle one more time, <laughs> yeah. please? So I learned a lot by trial by fire, really being there like, okay, I should never do this again. Or I need to make sure that this is in my pocket. I excel in a little bit of chaos and a, like crunch time. I think my personality just really shines there. And that's not for everybody. <laughs> that's not for everybody. But weddings were a great example of like learning being under pressure. And I think I, I gleaned a lot from that information and that would carry on to my eventual career. So found out that I liked doing weddings and filming them. So I kept doing that. My now wife, we were dating at the time, would, would come along with me and she'd bring her camera that she got for graduation and we'd do it together. And we still do that together on the side sometimes. And I think I had a student job that was creating videos for AM for some program AM. So that was like a corporate experience. And then I had some friends' dads who were insurance agents. They wanted a video and I would go and like help them out and film something there. So I got some exposure like and portfolio. Yeah. So I got some exposure in different areas and got to use that as examples to eventually apply for this job that I have now at Gladney. This was actually my first full-time job out of college and I'm still here. So I had all of that experience wrapped up from college and weddings and corporate jobs and use that to like get my foot in the door at Gladney and apply for this job that I have now. And I remember our supervisor, Jennifer, was so excited when she interviewed you. Like she, we went to lunch and she just went on and on about how much we're going to love you and how wonderful you're going to be. And yeah, she, she did a good job finding you. So your job at Gladney, is it what you thought it would be when you were first hired? You know, I, I thought it would be one way and I think it was actually more than what I thought. I like, I limited myself in the conceptualization of what this job would actually be because I mean, I, I, I had always done kind of the whole process for making videos. I was kind of a one man show. I didn't know as many people that could do editing while I filmed or do the sound while I did the lighting and stuff like that. I kind of had to learn it all. So this job at Gladney, I was like, oh, I'll probably end up doing like one thing really well or getting to like handoffs to other people eventually that this this part of the process. But actually it was an exposure to all of the parts of the process here. I got to kind of do it from start to finish. We started with an idea and we figured out how to film it. Then we figured out how to edit it and we figured out how to like publish it and all that stuff. And I got to be at every part of the process. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but it does, it covers a, a wide gamut of skill sets. And that is really attractive to me to like get to develop multiple facets of my talents and skills. Curious. Yeah. Cause I'm naturally <laughs> curious. There you go. And so I think it became more than I hoped that it would be for a job because of that and, and getting to, to step in where I had the skills to offer some expertise and then also set, sit, next to you and watch happen the things that I wasn't as familiar with and learn from that. That's awesome. I can't imagine Gladney without you, honestly. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, thank you. So Noah, this was your first like big boy job here at Gladney. So like what, what were some challenges in jumping into your first career? I would be naive to think that I like didn't have hard things happen to me in my job coming fresh out of college. I always like try to ground myself a little bit in that direction. Like, no, you're not the coolest person there. No, you don't know everything. No, you like, it's like there's, you need to like have an open mind. You need to listen, you need to learn and, and all those kinds of things. And I think that's probably something I would tell anybody looking in to go into a career is just like always be willing to be taught something new. And I think that's something that I always repeated to myself coming into this job. And I guess I was asked to do a lot of things at the beginning of the job because nobody had, had really done this job before me at Gladney. Yeah. It was created new in this mm -hmm. position. I worked with my supervisor to, to figure it out. Honestly, we 
we tried some things. We, uh, those, some of those things went well, some of those things didn't go well. And so we like tried something new and, and created some processes and, and all these things that really like help an employee flourish in their job and do their job well. And so some of the things that come to mind when I think about some of the challenges were, I guess I'd never been at a pace of like content being made that I, that I had experienced at Gladney before. And it was, it was always, I guess, kind of like a, oh, when inspiration hits or like, oh, I like this idea or, oh, I want to do mm-hmm. this now. And then I would do it. But there's like needs at an organization and, and holidays or big events that have to happen. And those things have timelines and mm-hmm. deadlines. And so I like really, I had to, I had to like learn how to be on time. Honestly, I was like still, maybe still learning how to be on time. And those things are probably the most challenging part of my job is just kind of like juggling multiple projects at once because that's important and then doing them well, but also making them excellent and on time. So that's probably the big, one of the biggest challenges that comes to mind. Another thing that I, it's a little bit more technical, but the way that I'd made videos was I didn't have a, a big budget of equipment to work with. I had my camera and a lens and then maybe a tripod. And we entered into the space at Gladney where we had generous donors who were able to provide us with funds for production like level equipment. So things you might see in a studio or at a, on a set in Hollywood, like those, some of those things we got to actually experiment with and, and buy and purchase and use. And I had never done studio production before. I learned all that on the job. And that is such a cool thing I get to take with me wherever I go, because I, I like really did learn a lot of what I needed to know about this job while working on this job. And that's part of working. I think it's like, you don't just all of a sudden have everything you need to do that job when you start the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You learn and learn and learn and like you grow. And and if you're not, I think if you're not doing some degree of that in your job, it's like maybe like go look for something to yeah. learn because it should be part of like your working life is I learned how to like set up a set and light and you use have your dad build part of this. That's set. right. My it's dad actually helped. one of my favorite things in here is I just love that we're sending sitting underneath this part of the studio that Noah's dad literally built yeah. and they came up with together yeah. to fit your needs. Yeah. We we had to have a way to suspend lights from the ceiling. So I'm like, okay, how are we gonna do that in this like this suspended ceiling office building? What are we gonna do? Like these lights are heavy and they need to stay still and all this stuff. And my dad, thanks to him and his handiwork that he is so good with metal work and welding. He helped us make some, a structure now that we use every single day at Gladney in the studio. We're all looking up in the studio right now. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> so one of the videos that we use in our adopt ed lesson is called Street Baby and you made it. It was actually the first video I ever saw at Gladney. Um, and I loved it because I was working in that program at the time. And you made that video. So what was it like to go from the idea to the finished product of Street Baby? I love dissecting the process too, because it makes me think about what I did in my job. So Street Baby, it sounds like a very like provocative name um, to a video, but it actually, what we started with was this college admissions essay of a student who grew up in the foster care system for most of his life. People called me Street Baby. I thought every child's bed could be a tire some nights, and other nights, if I were lucky, my beds could be a mat at the local homeless shelter. He eventually was adopted by a family that was connected with Gladney, and him and his little brother had an amazing story to tell because of their life experience. And it was, thankfully, a happy ending because their their family was... Their, their parents who adopted them were able to give them 
the life that they probably deserved many, many years before that. And what we had at Gladney when we were thinking about an idea for a video to tell the story of somebody who went through the foster care system and was adopted. It's one of our caseworkers, somebody on the ground and working with CPS had, had seen this uh, story of this child and, and this college admissions essay. And in this admissions essay, he had told his story essentially about how he was colloquially known as the street baby by people in Fort Worth because him and his brother roamed the streets a lot when they were, when they were in the foster care system. And we read that essay and, and, and kind of dissected it from the lens of, okay, what, what is here? What is appropriate? What is impactful? And how can we use this to prevent something like this from happening as much as we can? And so we read that and we talked to the family. We talked with, uh, Michael, the, the, the student who actually wrote the essay and, and we just kind of interviewed and, and pitched the idea of him telling his story on video for Gladney and they were in and we set, went to their home, we set up and, and it got a list of questions to ask them. We sat down and interviewed them probably for about 45 to 50 minutes. Um, his parents and then his, him himself and then his brother and himself, um, the two main characters of the, of the story. We took all that footage, which is probably, I, I mean, I don't know any gigabytes of footage, which is like an hour and a half you of video. You had him walking around the same streets. Yeah. That's, um, that's as, as a grown person, you know, and it's just, it's, it's really powerful. Yeah. Right. And we'll, we'll put the link down in the, the show notes of this episode so you can watch it, but you'll, you'll see what Carrie's describing is like, and that's, that's something we call B-roll. It's something that emphasizes and supports the story that's being told with the dialogue. And so what we did was take his interview, his parents interview kind of smashed together a little bit of a storyline so people could understand in a clear and concise way what happened in his life. And then we took what we could glean from that interview footage and went out and tried to visually represent that with the B-roll. And so we went out with Michael to downtown Fort Worth and he was, he was brave and strong enough to go with us yeah. to the places where he walked around as a child. And we just sat there and walked with him and, and asked him about what he was feeling. Like, where, what do you, what's, what's this mean to you? And we want, we want this to be impactful for the people who are watching so that they can use their influence, their resources to prevent something like this from happening. And that's, that's where we were going with that video. We wanted to not only represent him well and in a wholesome way where he doesn't become a victim, he doesn't become uh, something that he's not with his story, but it, it translates into, in, into meaning and to action and into emotion that, that propels people past just watching the video. And I think that's what we did with street baby is we, it's part of our adopt lesson. We actually used it for a, a major um, donor event that year um, to show to a bunch of people who had a lot of means to make a difference. I heard um, everyone cried. And yeah, and I'm still uh, crying. We, okay. Like I know. what he was talking about. We got a few tears. It's That's always a good sign. Yeah, it's so well done. And so, uh, yeah, I think we ended up in a really good spot and that's a great example of, of the impactfulness of a story and what it started as was a college admissions, admissions essay, which is like, I come back to that so many times. I was like, man, that is, it's now so much more than that. And but he reads he, it in the video. And he reads it in the video and <sighs> it's it. so powerful. Yeah. It's such a great testimony and just of resilience. And I think that our students really connect with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's honestly their favorite video. And I always try to make a point to sneak it in at, you know, the end. Thinking about it from Noah filming it, I'm imagining him like having to carry all the equipment and worry about the lighting and everything. But then also like having to watch Michael's cues and making sure like he's emotionally okay. And I just, I'd never thought about all that before. Like that was a big day for you. 
well, thankfully I had a lot of help. Like there's so much more to producing that kind of project that, I mean, my supervisor, Jennifer, who is my boss and like excellent visionary storyteller, she was there to help like kind of guide the conversation while I, the videographer was kind of worrying about the, like you said, the lighting and the make sure the cameras are recorded and the sound working, all that kind of stuff. So it takes a village for sure to make something like this. Since we're talking about videos, why are videos and the content you create, why are they so important to Adopt Ed's program? I think the topics and concepts that we teach in Adopt Ed, um, mainly being unplanned pregnancy, how does somebody in that situation navigate their choices? That is so, can be so heavy of a topic at times that the best way to kind of like kind of sort through the mess or sort through what you're trying to understand is through stories, like people who've gone through them and come out on the other side, better, stronger, more courageous, impacted, something like that. And those, those are stories that are worth telling. And the best way sometimes we can communicate the concepts we're trying to teach these high school students who may or may not have experienced anything like this is through someone's story. And we, we do that in our videos. That's what we try to accomplish. Absolutely. Your videos are always a highlight of our program. What is your favorite video that you've ever made? I'm going to answer this in two ways. One, to give an homage to my current job and profession, because there are a lot of videos I've made here, and one of them definitely is my favorite. And then I'm also going to dip back into my my hobby filmmaking career when I was maybe a little younger and just doing, having some fun. So I'll start with that one. Are you excited about this? I am. I literally got my pen ready. I'm like, I'm going to look it up on YouTube. We both set up like, Ooh, okay. So I was in college. I had just finished my junior year. I was going into my senior year and there the week before we started classes, me and some of my friends had this idea to enter this contest that this artist we both listened to was hosting um, on social media. And what he had tasked his audience with was, hey, just release a new song, make a lipped up video, submit it to this, and we'll pick a winner. And the winner gets to have an acoustic performance by me in your backyard. So <gasps> we're like, okay, what? That's awesome. So we, we, took the idea and ran with it. And eventually it turned into this, I think we had almost 120 people of our, like 120 of our friends and their friends join us at this house on one day where we filmed a lipped up music video to his song, planned it all out, like stayed up all night, did crazy stunts. We were like on the roof filming like a, a flash mob in the backyard. We had, we had got really creative with lighting and like drove our cars with the trunk open so we could like get some moving shots down the road. I sat on the hood of a Jeep, I think at one point while he was driving down the road. And we created this basically music video to this song that we had, um, that we had listened to. And the due date, I remember that I remember very vividly. This is so me that due, due date was like two days away and I didn't work on it at all the first day. And so I, I had to edit the whole video the night that before it was due. You said got, you worked well under pressure. I worked That's really when you well shine. Were you waiting for inspiration or did you just have something else to do? I think I had class or I mean, no class hadn't started yet. I guess I had, I probably was just putting it off, you know? <laughs> so I stayed up basically the whole night editing this whole video together. And the people who were like part of the planning process would come over, bring coffee, like be part there, part of the editing and, and get, give some ideas. We got it finished. We submitted it, put it on YouTube. And then I think the next week is when they announced the winners. And we had like been watching the hashtag and like watching everybody else's submissions. And eventually it came down to like us in a, in a, few people in Nashville that had made like a pretty compelling lip up music video. Everybody actually, there was some hate involved online because <gasps> we like did the most naturally. I just wanted to take it to the next level. Uh -huh. um, the whole stunts of like getting on the roof and driving down the road, maybe weren't in the like rules explicitly, but I interpreted the rules as you can just make a lip up video however you want. 
everyone else thought you had to do it with one take on your phone and in your house or whatever. I was like, we're not doing that. <laughs> so we ended up winning. There was a clear winner, the artist who came to our, the house so to perform this concert. So the artist clear winner. They did. <laughs> okay. They, I say that in the, in the sense that it actually wasn't even my words. It was the artist who came to our house and ate ice cream with us that was telling us that. It was like, we were the clear winner. So oh, okay. um, I- Humble. I, <laughs> 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 um, and yeah, so we, so we won. He came, he performed an acoustic show. Yahoo Live came and set up a truck and like live streamed from our backyard. Did you know this, this Carrie? I, I, I had heard part of this. I didn't know to the extent. So did you, did you have the hundred people come who were part of your... That was that was a actually pretty tense part of the process because oh, no. with the, the rules stipulated, there were you and 20 of your friends can come enjoy this acoustic concert in your backyard. And we petitioned the rules. We petitioned the producers of this of this uh, event of saying like, did. hey, we have a list of people who came because we made them like sign in on a Google form to like get credit uh, if we won. <laughs> we're much better college student than I was. You had Google Docs back then? So we, we, submitted, this, we submitted this Excel sheet of a hundred and something names of people who were there and it had timestamps and everything. And we're like, listen, these, this many people were part of this process. Is there any way we could do this? Uh, more than 20. And they're like, okay, yeah, bring 120 people. Oh <laughs> so we gosh. got, we bent the rules again and got to bring all of those people who are involved in the video to come enjoy a, an acoustic concert in the backyard at the college station house. I love that. What a great memory too. And a portfolio, you know, put that in your portfolio. And so that's what you submitted to our supervisor. So full circle, I used that that event, not only the video, but just the event surrounding that video to put into my resume and explain during the job interview process at Gladney that yes, I actually got a lot of experience with this and producing and working with people and collaborating and all this stuff, entered a contest, won the contest and like all this kind of stuff. So I, I highlighted that specifically, yes, in my uh, interview process for Gladney. Maybe it was the thing that pushed me over the edge. I don't know. It's awesome. So that was quite an experience in college. But since I've been working here at Gladney, I've actually gotten to make a lot cooler videos, maybe with not so much like worldwide renowned or social media presence, but they are meaningful and they're impactful and they mean a lot to me. So one of the stories I got to work on was this special needs adoption. Her name was Ivy and she had diastrophic dysplasia and was considered medically fragile. And so this family that came from Colorado to Texas and had adopted previously um, where they were matched with Ivy. They were able to take her in because there uh, was some disabilities with a husband that was, that he could relate to that. He was uh, like able to, to kind of care for that. And we got to intersect with their story in so many unique and cool ways, not just once kind of filming for one interview. We got to, to go along the process for a few, for a few different moments. And that was just the, almost the most holistic perspective of an adoption process that I've kind of gotten to personally interact with and tell the story of, and they were just amazing people. Anyways, they deserve all of the, the, the praise and the renown that has come from their story being shared. I think they've been on the today show two or three times now because of it. And we've got, we've got to share some, some footage with NBC to like, to talk about them on the today show. I, I just, I just love that story, that family, and then getting to follow along now with, um, all the happenings with Ivy on social media has been really rewarding, really cool. Well, we'll definitely be, we'll link that video in our show notes too, because it's, it's another beautiful story that you've produced and yeah, you got to check that one out too. Love it. So shift gears, but social media, you, you do a lot with adopted social media. Why is that important? And you want to talk on that a little bit? 
Social media is a very unique phenomenon of our generation. It hasn't existed actually for very long, which is so interesting to think about, but it you can't really imagine your life day to day without it. And because of that, because so many people share that experience, we at Adopted and at Gladney just have to be there. Like we need to be on those platforms, spreading our message, interacting with people that can make a difference, um, sharing our stories and garnering support even like from donors. And that is a crucial part of our day to day. And in the marketing department at Gladney, that's, we think about that a lot. Like what is a way that we can tell our story in a new way so that we can publish it out to social media, people can see it and watch it and share it. And we can either grow our audience, reach the people that we need to reach with our message, or just share beautiful stories of, of families and birth moms and adoptees. And so- And advocacy. And advo- I mean, it's a way to be huge. an advocate. Yeah. That's one thing we tell our students is, especially when we watch Street Baby, there's a, a part of the video they show, the Wednesday's Child videos. And that's one way that our local news station advocates for kids in foster care. And we're like, hey, you can also share these stories on your social media, get their voice heard. And that's what I, yeah, that's definitely important. And it has like, it has this, it has this phenomenon to just kind of explode when a lot of people take action on something. So you think about you and your following, seeing what you post. If somebody who follows you shares that with their following, it's just an exponential growth effect. And so that is, that is like analytical, it's data-driven and it's, there's some math to it. There's some formulas to it, but at the end of the day, it's, it's another way that we can garner support and spread the, the mission of Gladney to the people that need to hear it. And same thing for Adopt Ed. We, we have teachers out there that could probably use our program in their classroom that don't know about it yet. And one way we could reach them is through social media yeah. and sharing our platform, our messaging, our lessons with them that way. Who inspires you in your craft? Ooh, good question. I d- derive a lot of inspiration actually from YouTube. So, oh yeah, <laughs> I love YouTube. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. Do you watch maybe. wedding videos? Like, I I do sometimes. Since I make them so much, I pro- I probably don't watch as much as I maybe would if I didn't do it as a job. But I I follow a lot of YouTubers who uh, talk about the craft of filmmaking and gear and ways to tell stories, how to edit differently, those kinds of things. So it's like a lot of technical things, but I find that's really inspiring because it's a new way of thinking about something that I've done the same, maybe not the same, but just over and over again and finding new ways to like tell stories in engaging ways. And sometimes that can look like following trends or Mm -hmm. um, adapting to new platforms. I just found that really intriguing. So I I watch a lot of YouTube and I, I love doing that. It's a great pastime for me. There's also some really cool accounts on Instagram behind the scenes phone videos of like giant cinema, cinema productions in Hollywood. And I, I like am so fascinated by the way that people produce the things that we see on TV day in and day out, like Netflix or Hulu and seeing what it makes, seeing what it takes to make that look like that. I just, that's so inspiring to me. So I'm like looking at the way they like put the lighting up in the ceiling or the way that they dress the room with the set and make the colors make sense. And the way they put their cameras in the room on the tripods or moving or not moving. And I, I'm just so fascinated by the process of it. And I love the production side of things. So I'm, I'm really fascinated by a bunch of those kinds of Instagram accounts. What would you say to someone who's in high school and they're interested in making videos and creating content as a career? First, I would say, yes, you should do that because I think it is a very viable career in this day and age. Mm-hmm. You're, they're not running out of jobs for people like that. And I think that your inspi- inspiration to do that is is key because you. I think you really need to like the job that you do to some degree. There's going to be days where you maybe not like it but that much. But I think the 
the passion to go and pursue something and figure out how to do it, I think is just enough evidence to me for that person to, to just keep doing it. I think the best way that I learned and the, the way that I would hope other people had the chance to do it is to just play around and not be afraid to mess up and learn from your mistakes. And so go out with your friends and make a skateboard video or go set up the ring light in your room and, and make a makeup tutorial. Even if you don't know how to do it, like figure, figure out what makes that makes sense to you and then learn from what you do. So watch your work and figure out what, what worked and what didn't. And I think that's just so valuable to me to like have a hands-on experience with the tools, with the, the topics or the, I don't know, the, mediums of YouTube or Instagram or IGTV or TikTok or stuff like that. I think, I think I would tell them to, to just do it a lot. I think I would just say, go make a bunch of stuff and figure out what you like doing, what you don't like doing, what works, what doesn't work. And then from there, I think a lot of doors will open themselves for you or you'll know where to go to go knocking. And then don't be afraid to ask for help. I, I had to ask so many questions. I was probably so annoying to some of my friends who were <laughs> older than me and, and knew more than me, but I, I reached out to them. I texted them and said, Hey, I don't know how they did this, but I really want to try to do this. How do I do this? And you'd be surprised how willing people are to, to kind of support somebody pursuing something that they're passionate about as well. I'm sure on the flip side, you have people calling you and reaching out to you asking Yeah, you. that is the funny thing that, yeah, it kind of flips on its head once you get into it so far. You know, I, I want to know which tool to start with. If someone was really wanting to get a camera for graduation, what camera would you suggest would be a good option for them as a beginner? This is a great question. And I have maybe a little bit of a micro rant to go off on oh, just oh, a little okay. bit before we get to the actual Money. meat of it. But this is something you probably hear all the time. The best camera that you have is the one that you have with you. And I believe that. And I think that you should actually take that seriously, whoever you are listening, wanting to buy a camera, because what you're going to see for the rest of your life is a bunch of people who have way better stuff than you, way more money than you to oh, buy other things. True. And you're just going to watch them because that's cool and that's fine, but you don't need to compare yourself to them to where you are right now. And so I actually really do believe that if you're sitting on an iPhone 11 Pro or an iPhone 12 right now, you have a really good camera at your disposal. And mm -hmm. so take the one that you have in your pocket and use it to the most you can. Like go download the apps, go get the editing software, go get iMovie on your phone and figure out how to use your phone first. And once you're there and once you've reached the limits of that technology, then it's time to go start exploring for more tools. And so what that looks like, I think I would jump probably to a mirrorless camera if we want to get technical. I would go to a Sony because they have really great video features right now. Okay. And you can get something for under $1,000. Camera lens, memory card, battery. You could get something for under $1,000. And so if you're there, you're like, I'm using what I have. I'm mm -hmm. trying to do everything that I want to do with it, but I'm just like beyond the limits of my capacity. Then it's time to go figure out what you need to get next. But please don't, just for the rest of your life, look at somebody else's bigger, better camera than yours and just want that and want that and want that because that is just destructive for the creative That's process. That's great advice for all things. Right. And I liked that advice because, you know, your phone does a lot of cool things, but if you could even just get the software to edit the pictures you have on your phone, you know? Yeah. And I have to tell myself, I have to tell myself that all the time, honestly. So I'm preaching at you maybe right now, but I'm telling <laughs> that just as loudly to myself advice because to I have that temptation just as much as anybody else would. Okay, so we have some lightning round questions. I'm so excited. I know that wasn't really in the script. I just got <laughs> it. I just felt it. I was excited about this. Lightning round. Noah, what is your dream car? Cadillac CTSV. It's always been since eighth grade. Sorry. It hasn't changed. 
Sorry. <laughs> I don't need to say sorry. That's just my favorite car. So <laughs> sorry I'm about sorry. it. Matt paint or no? Um, I'm probably not into it actually. I think I like the glossy. Okay. Glossy black, glossy white. Would you rather go back in time and meet your ancestors or travel to the future and meet your grandchildren? To the future to my grandchildren because they probably it. have way cooler phones than we do now. Uh, so I want to exactly see what exactly what I, I knew you were going to say. Exactly. <laughs> you want to go play with all their you stuff. I want to go play with their, with their iPads. Yes, yeah, whatever I'm, that is in the future. Would you rather create a successful app or go on tour with Taylor Swift? Uh, this oh, is totally playing into my live in the moment philosophy on my life. And it's probably the Taylor Swift thing. I know I probably make way more money doing the whole app thing, but I would love to just go on tour with Taylor Swift for one night. <laughs> yeah, I was really wondering what you would choose, but I was hoping it was a Swift. Yeah, that one was a toss up. Okay. Would you rather be able to teleport anywhere or be able to read minds? Oh, I don't even like to read my own mind. So I'll just teleport places. That'd be scary to be in people's heads. No, I thank agree. You. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve at weddings? Oh, there is always somebody who shows up at weddings with a DSLR camera of their own. The pop-up flashes up and they're back in the back taking pictures because they think they're going to get the best angle when they've hired somebody else to do that for a reason. <laughs> Uncle Tim, stay. Put your camera at home, please. <laughs> Uncle Tim. Leave your iPad at home. It doesn't even take that good of videos. There's one at every single wedding we go to. Tell us any and all nicknames that you have been given. My grandpa calls me Noah Bear. Um, actually, Carrie calls me Noah Bear I too, do. now to think of it. So there's a there's a through line there. Your grandpa? Yeah, he that does. Really Noah Bear. I didn't know that. And the only other one I can think of is the one Mal calls me is Nola because she babysat a few kids for a long time, and the uh, one of the one of the kids couldn't say my name. It was like hard with the syllables, so she called me Nola. And so Mal now calls me Nola. Would you rather get a face tattoo that you choose or a discreet one that someone else designs? I always ask Mal to give me something for Christmas that she wants for me rather than me asking for something for her to buy specifically. So I get a discreet one somebody else gets to choose. I love that. I love that about gift giving. I want somebody to get me something that they want to get me. Not something I want to send you an Amazon link for. I, Amen? I agree, Amen? Noah. I love that. Yeah. I disagree, but okay. <laughs> I knew Carrie would choose the other one. I disagree. I want what I want. <laughs> would you rather be a ninja or a wizard? Go. I, the first thing I thought of is I really want to dance, so I'd probably be a ninja because you'd probably cater to that profession. Being a ninja would may, probably make you a really good dancer because you're flexible. So I'd, like, I'd be a ninja, cool, but like I'd get to dance. That'd be awesome. The first thing you thought of is I want to dance. Uh-huh. <laughs> When you were asked that question. I love to dance, but I'm not that good at it, you know? So Wizards can do so much. Okay. Carrie is disagreeing with me and my <laughs> own lightning round questions. Carrie, you got your chance, okay? You got your chance. Last one. Would you rather color your hair green for the rest of your life or have one eyebrow? Like straight across, like one eyebrow. Okay, that's that's better than what I thought. Like shave one off and only have one over one eye. That's what I was thinking for some reason, but the unibrow makes more sense. Oh, wait, no. No, I was thinking oh. you just have one over here. Oh. You got unibrow? Yeah, but no, I like it better. Oh, I've been I the like answer better. clear. Gross. I would have green hair. Billie Eilish pulled it off. Why can't I? I wanted to bring up Billie. <laughs> you did. <laughs> did. You put that in there just to <laughs> talk did. about Billie. Well, Noah, it was really great getting to know you, dive a little bit deeper into your work and your personal life. So thanks for meeting with us today. I learned some new things about Noah today. I did too. I'm going to keep it in my pocket. Uh-huh. I like knowing all this stuff. I agree. <laughs> well, it was great to be here. Thanks for interviewing me, you guys. Thanks, Noah. 
freeze stuff alert. Uh-oh, hold on, everybody. Have you ever wanted the feeling of spring break to come back for one night from 5 to 10 p.m.? Heard of Holiday in the Park? How about the exact same thing, except no decorations, no Christmas, it's warm outside, and there are almost no lines! Well, have we got the giveaway for you. If you've been listening to this whole episode just to find out this part and this information, we're clapping for you right now. Thanks for being here. Here's how to enter to win one of two pairs of Six Flags tickets for parking, dinner, and entry for a little something we like to call Gladney Night at Six Flags. And if you're as confused by that math as I am, that's two different humans winning two tickets each. All you need to do is pull out your phone, open mail, compose a new message, type shifted at gladney.org into the two line and send us an email that contains your first and last name, your Instagram handle, a future shifted episode idea that you would actually listen to. Wow, Carrie, is it really that easy? It's really that easy. It's like there's no reason not to enter. Okay, they're probably done now since it's so easy to do. And just so you all know, we are a part of the hashtag no spam fam. So we ain't about to blow up that inbox. Noah, have you done it yet? I, I thought my part was over. That's it, and that's all. Tell your friends to listen and enter, and we'll see you in the teacups. Friends outside of Texas, we love you. We see you. We're working on a way to include you in the next giveaway. Stay tuned. Wow, action-packed day today on Shifted. We went over Noah's job as AdoptEd's content creator and why that matters. And we have a fun opportunity for our listeners to win a couple of tickets to go to Six Flags. I'm glad we got to talk through those things today. We're gearing up for a summer of lesson planning and regrouping for next school year at AdoptEd, and that means we have some exciting things ahead. We'll be doing more episodes of Shifted, creating new lessons for AdoptEd, and a few surprises we'll have to tell you about a little later. Catch us in the feed for the next episode where we're sitting down with our boss's boss's boss, the CEO of the Gladney Center for Adoption. He and his beautiful family have agreed to sit down with us and talk about what it's like to run a nonprofit organization, as well as the touching story of their personal connection to adoption. That's all we can say for now. You'll have to listen to find out more details. Questions for us or future episode ideas, email us at shifted at gladney.org or send us a DM on Instagram. We've taken some notes for you down in the episode description. Check that out for any links we mentioned, some of the videos Noah talked about in his interview, as well as how you can reach out to us. We'll also give you guys links to follow us on social media and some additional information about AdoptEd and Gladney. Don't forget to enter the Six Flags giveaway so you can get your thrill filled this spring and keep it locked on our Instagram to find out if you're the winner. We'll be announcing winners on Friday, April 16th. That's all. We're done. Bye. Oh, bye. (laughs)